A new season of 24 is here, but where are all the 24 fans? They're over on Facebook. Go join them now, before time runs out. It's the best 24 Legacy fan club ever. Check out 24legacyfans.com and take part in the best 24 Legacy fan experience. 24legacyfans.com. That's 24legacyfans.com. Shield. It's an organization that both exists and doesn't exist all at the same time. For those in the know, SHIELD, the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement and Logistics Division, is the counterterrorism and intelligence agency run by Director Nick Fury. Its global reach, with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe, continues to grow. SHIELD's activities have been documented for a long time, both in comic books and feature films. Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC via Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast from Two Guys Talking. Finding the way out when all else around you is failing is never easy. Whether it's being able to block out the cries for help around you, to foster preservation, to live another day, or that things around you are moving so fast that you literally do not have the time to have attention span that includes anything but you making it out. Well, it's hell. Inside this most recent episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC, Season 4's 20th episode, Farewell, Cruel World, we all learn what it's like to be hurried, to have to make choices, and in the end, to find open doors that not everyone makes it through. All that and a ton more are here inside this episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC, on the Two Guys Talking podcast network. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, the 20th episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. during Season 4. Wow. 20 already. That's amazing. And again, it, it passes by so quickly, it's going to pass by even faster for people that are downloading the streaming content via whatever service they're watching it inside the future, and then listening to our companion podcast for this episode. Mm-hmm. Before we get started for this episode, a quick little bit of housekeeping. A quick treat for those of you following us on Facebook. Those of you that are following us on Facebook over at facebook.com forward slash shield podcast, you're going to get the next episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast first. That's right. Episodes 21 and 22 are coming out on Facebook first. Make sure those of you that aren't yet following us on Facebook, get on over to facebook.com forward slash shield podcast and be first when it comes to the next two episodes of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. The Code of Silence Perspective Review. We've been talking about doing this for about half a year as we got flooded, then SWAT teamed out of our <laughs> previous headquarters inside of St. Charles. And for those of you that haven't seen it, it's a 1985 movie called Code of Silence starring Chuck Norris. Everybody knows Chuck Norris, but what nobody knows is this movie called Code of Silence. 
Well, we're doing a perspective review on it via whatcopswatch.com oh, okay. with Captain Christy Giuseppe as well as myself. But then also Tommy Model, a cop that's serving in South Chicagoland, who's going to give us some epic detail about the places showcased inside that movie, but also police procedure stuff, because if you'll remember, Tommy Model is the guy that does free field training on YouTube. Ah, yes. It's not just knowledge for law enforcement types, it's knowledge for humankind. Look for the links for that soon over at twoguystalking.com. Nick, enough housekeeping. It's time for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Let's get to it. Oh, yeah. Sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software, Bloggers Bug, and the St. Charles Office Center. The 25th anniversary of LA 1992 starts with public Hydra beatings on the street. Now, this is pretty stark. For those of you that don't know, or I guess weren't even alive, 25 years ago, as this episode was launched originally on television, slash via Hulu, whatever, marks the actual 25th anniversary of the L.A. riots in 1992 that burned a lot of L.A. to the ground because of the Rodney King beating. And there's a very good, attention-worthy documentary that's available called L.A. 1992. We're going to link up to it inside the show notes. And regardless of what year you're listening to this podcast, what I need you to do, I can't believe I'm telling you to do this, turn off our podcast. And go watch this documentary because it is that ground swelling. It, it will provide you with factoids, details, and stuff that we hope never happens again inside of modern day America. <laughs> Leaving Dr. Fitz behind and the potential consequences of taking everybody back. This initial scene here where Daisy and Simmons are talking about who goes back, who we're going to grab, and, you know, we got to get going. This is, this is a hot topic. It's got to get done. The, the spinning wheels that I had during this discussion, it, it doesn't play off as dire, but it is. And I, I think that's a good thing in this case because the decisions that they're plowing through inside of this very small piece of exposition are literally good day and bad day thing. They're not a, it's not a gray day thing. It's something I wanted to make sure we mentioned inside this episode because it's, you know, oh, we're just going to leave Fitz behind. No, we're not going to leave Fitz behind. But in the same breath, you have, what if Mac doesn't want to go back? And the contemplation of all those things as well as what is going to happen when we get people to the back door? I love all those question marks that are opened in the initial, what, less than five minutes inside the episode? That's great writing. I get not wanting to leave anybody behind. But here's the thing. We know where they are mm -hmm. in the real world. Mm -hmm. And if we get the other people that are still locked up in that same room with Fitz mm -hmm. to wake up, they in turn can then doot, 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 play with the little machines that are in the room and wake Fitz up that way. So in a sense, there's no peril. As long as you get somebody that's trapped in that room with Fitz to quote unquote wake up, mm -hmm. You're not leaving anybody behind. They insert peril in, in the last scene. So there is peril when you do get back. It's, it takes a while for it there, to happen. Yes, I understand that there is peril. Mm -hmm. But the emphasis on, oh, my God, we can't leave Fitz here. I, I'm sorry, especially coming from the character who's all, this place isn't real. It's all zeros and ones and avatars. I get that she's in love, but 
I don't I don't want to poo-poo all over her emotions, even though she is the scientific one. But the simple fact that leaving Fitz behind isn't necessarily leaving him behind. Daisy was right. We get as many as we can get out and then worry about the rest once we're there in the real world and can actually make some sort of change to the framework. I, I get what they were doing. I don't think that they needed to progress that line of thinking in the episode as we move forward. And I know we're going to get to it because all it did was lead to, oh, so that happened. Giving Hope some rounded out, though intentionally drippy, character. It was great to see Hope here getting some really rounded out detail in that she's now participating and interacting with the team and understand some of their personality picadillos. And it, it was fun. It was fun to see this young kid participating with a team of people that are working inside the resistance that we all foster. Uh, I, again, I think for a four-episode arc, I think it was ballsy to do that. And I, it, they pulled it off wonderfully here with Hope. Well, it's interesting to see the fact that they've taken a character that doesn't exist and given her character. Mm -hmm. And you don't know if she's going to grow up someday to be a potential inhuman. I mean, we already know that she's extremely intelligent. Mm -hmm. Whatever ones and zeros that put her together have made her an above-average child. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So she's already got that nice little character trait for her. But now she actually has a personality as well. Mm -hmm. It's a character that I don't want to see go. It's a character that I want to see exist. Mm -hmm. I would like to see this character exist in the real world and... You know, of course, that did well, that can't happen asterisk. Yeah, but but also not only that, but this is the first time you're really seeing her interact with other characters other than Mac, which is nice. Mm -hmm. May and Colson's revelation discussion and crafting soap. This is the first of several interactions between May and Colson inside this episode. And the tone of this was wonderfully set all the while dancing in with the crafting of blue soap that I, it, it's not quite the end joke, but it is the little, it, it's, and I talk a little bit about it in another point later on, it is kind of like this icing that's over the entire cake of their relationship that I really do want another bite of. There's no, they're, they're, they're painting a wonderful relationship without actually having a relationship there. And again, I think that's incredibly endearing for writing. It is... And I, I, I hate being the guy that's poo-pooing on this episode, but this, too, also seemed a little rushed. Not forced, rushed. Not knowing when I sat down to watch the episode that this was going to be the end of being in the framework. Didn't know that. But now knowing, well, you know, spoilers, if you're listening to this, you should know by now. They get out of the framework by the end of the episode. But not everybody gets out. Uh, sure. Then the people who are listening who have watched the episode know that not everybody gets out, mm -hmm. but they get out. Mm -hmm. So this right here seems like, okay, we have to throw this scene in there because you need the Coulson-May connection to propel us into the end of the episode when they do get out. H had we had another episode taking place in the framework, I would be okay with this scene. But it kind of seemed like, wow, we haven't had Coulson and May interact yet, and they're about to leave the framework in 30 minutes. we got to get that connection going. It, uh, it seemed rushed. It, it was fine as a scene for two great actors delivering great dialogue, but 
in the grand scheme of things, it seemed rushed. The screaming halls of prison. This time when I listened to this episode, I happened to be listening through my Trex Titanium Bluetooth headset, which gave me a completely different listening experience than I usually have for something like this, which is usually my home theater or plasma screen television inside of my home studio at home. Mm -hmm. And the prison was full of people screaming intensely in all directions. I did not notice that the first time, otherwise I would have noted it. It adds wonderfully to an incredibly stark set that really is nothing. I mean, seriously, the prison set that they have, mm -hmm. it's not much. And it doesn't need to be when it's got this screaming variety of people screaming inside of it. it really I wouldn't really it. call it a prison, more of a detention center. Yeah. Let me let me shove your ass in there with a with a nightgown and beat. Uh, whoa, 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 beat nobody was in ass. nightgowns. They, were, they had their ah, clothes on. Him. They had their clothes on. Radcliffe had his clothes on. The guy yeah, that was bleeding yeah, from had his a face. Gown on. No, we didn't. We gotta go back and look. He had on. shorts on. He had the exact same outfit he had on We're while he was go back and while he was on the island. Well, he's still when wearing that guy's his flippy flops. On the ground inside of the detention cell. He's Looks wearing, like he's got a nightgown. He's wearing shorts. Okay, we'll we'll find out. We'll find out. Anyway, I, the, the, what we're focusing on here, anyway, is the screaming inside of the prison that helps really do really give you a, a, a three-dimensional soundscape that I did not hear previously. So again, kudos to the people that, that craft what's going on there. That's great. Yes, thank you for terror. We love terror. Thank you for giving it to us. The scene between the doctors. The discussion that between Fitz and Radcliffe inside of this really is stellar. Just this wonderful little tete-a-tete that happens inside the discussion that I, I, it encapsulates why you're seeing what's going on inside of this episode. The value of two characters that I didn't particularly like when we started and what they have now created so many, so many episodes later really is extraordinary. I like this scene because it's called back to a scene from the previous episode after Alistair Fitz had his conversation with his fists, with mm -hmm. Radcliffe's face. <laughs> we find out, well, he's not going to... he was beating him in his jogging outfit as uh, opposed to his nightgown. Wasn't a jogging outfit. It was a lounging, I'm, I'm living on an island outfit. <laughs> but Papa Fitz instructed it a little. <laughs> Papa Fitz. Papa Fitz awesome. told <laughs> Baby Fitz that Radcliffe isn't going to talk because he's got, he's ready to die. He doesn't have to say anything. So Fitz goes, well, let's give him a reason to live. And now here's the carrot. We're going to dangle this carrot in front of you. What if I told you that even though you don't have a body on the other, in the other world, what if I could make you a body? What if I could give you immortality? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Radcliffe perks up to that. Now, we've all seen the episode, so we know how things end. So I'm not, I won't, we'll get to it. So I'm not going to say anything about it, but at this point in time, watching the episode, not knowing how things were going to go, I got upset. I was like, oh, you limey bastard. Don't you dare start betraying people right now just because you might be able to get a taste of life again. Mm -hmm. That's how I felt in the moment. And we'll definitely get to that towards the end of the episode. Oh, yes. No Trippin' when it comes to connecting with the ladies. <laughs> this is a... Fun little piece between Daisy and Tripp inside of this makes me realize how much that relationship is still missed with 
us tripping about Trip. Let us not forget when Trip died and Mac didn't. I remember you and I both <laughs> being extremely upset. I was like, why, why did they kill Trip? Why couldn't it have been Mac? It's so true. And I mean, this isn't why. Obviously, the, the, well, yeah, yeah, the love right. for Mac is absolutely still there. But I'm telling you, they really had a great character inside of Mac. They had a great character inside of Trip. <laughs> in this scene where he and Daisy just wax philosophic because, of course, you know, Trip's connected with, insert the name of three or four ladies that, well, he's not connected yeah, to. Yeah, in the real world, I had to have hooked up with this person, right? Nope. Well, what about? <laughs> nope. Throw me a freaking bone, will ya? How about no, Trip? Papa Fitz and Simmons face off. This was good. was not great, but it was good. I was looking for the guy that would start to disrobe down to a white wife-beater shirt that would then explain exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to the strap. That's what I was looking for here inside this scene. And we do get a little bit of it when he double-leg takes down her to the floor. That was awesome. But I was looking for something way more blatant like that. And I can't decide whether or not it was because it's on a network television show or what, that they just didn't want to make it more than just a, a hand-on-throat moment, which is terrible, you don't get me wrong, but this face-off between the two of them, I loved where it went in that he, he looks like he's going to play through the hand to make sure that Simmons is placated, etc. when in reality he doesn't. Mm -hmm. the, the fugitive is here! I love all of that. I think that that's great. I just wanted to see some way more malice then, and now I'm going to throw the freaking cell phone at you. <laughs> I just, I, I Who started, throws a phone? Nobody throws a phone at people. Come on. Especially this strapping giant Scottish man. <laughs> no. All right. So. And so what he did was he does go in there and double leg take, take her down. That was awesome in that thud. Kick ass. The rest of it. It, 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 I was looking for something much more intense. I agree. I, I needed something much more intense, but then again, I didn't need this scene at all. Why, when we have a plan, we know the location of getting everybody except for one man out, who we can then unplug from the source machine, why risk everything to go on this little side quest to lure baby fits home to papa fits to get the motivation i get the motivation love i i get it but guess what love is also the reason why anakin skywalker became darth vader in that third piece of shit prequel film love makes people do stupid things i get that this was unneeded and you want to know what as soon as i saw her at his door, I knew exactly how this scene was going to play out. I knew she was going to end up killing him. I knew it. Sadly, I knew it. There was no surprise there at all. Actually, I was kind of hoping that he was going to choke her out and then we were going to get a surprise death. The cool glide of humor across a, quote, stupid fantasy world discussion. I realize where you're going to go. And that, well, we don't need to talk about this because it shouldn't have been written this way inside the episode because everything is fake. I don't sound like that at all, Mike. I understand. Just, just letting you, just I letting just, you I know. I can't approximate your voice, so I just bought my, bought my vocal will. <laughs> Greatly imitated, but never duplicated yeah, over here. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Get some! 
Anyway, the, the, the gist here is that <laughs> the gist here is that I love and continue to love how Marvel paints this little dainty dance in dialogue while infusing the right kind of humor. Because he, obviously we can all look at humor as something completely subjective. Mm-hmm. You and I go to a comedy club at some, on some evening. You listen to it, you get one thing. I listen to it, I get something completely different. You yeah. ask both of us at the end, what'd you think? You might go, I thought it was terrible because it wasn't written that way and everybody's fake. I, on the other hand, would go, man, I thought it was brilliant. It was a great comic. Everybody would love this. And that's what you get inside of this episode is that tiny little waft of, of har-har that it will fall on the people that understand how Marvel humor is written through a program like this. Right. And, and I love it when that happens and that they could pull it off here in the middle of this episode where we must get out, period, paragraph. Extrication is the, the paramount moment. That's why I love seeing little things like this because it's fun to watch them talk and banter like that. But that's the hallmark of this show anyway. I'm not going to poo-poo on this because this is what Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has always been. This is the type of show that we watch. They have the banter. The banter works. It's And, and usually it's Coulson initiating said banter. And in a way, in this instance, it is. It, well, it's its fault. But yes, I, I get it. There, I have nothing against the humor of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. No one checks Alistair's vitals. I was going to talk about this, but then I, of course, realized that my co-host would tell us all that it's fake, and then it doesn't make any difference. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. You are the one... <laughs> In the previous episode of this podcast, going all, you know what? The Ferris Bueller moment where I look at the screen and go, this is all fake. It doesn't really matter. I don't feel that way. I don't think this is fake. This isn't fake. No, 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 no. No, no, it's not fake. Step, step on the gas pedal it's for a moment. It's not fake. You it's, have to realize. It was just, it, it seemed a little the, the guys, The guys that don't come in are not first responders. They're stormtroopers. I get it. So they don't care. They're His eyes are wide open and he's got he's got a, a, gut, that, a gut shot. That does not mean uh, He's dead. But according to these Hydra goons, it does. Oh, well, he's got to be dead. That's okay. That's fine. He's just sleeping. he's your dad. He's sleeping with his eyes open. He's supposed to go and check on the dad that's supposed to be dead, and he does nothing. He actually turns his back on it and says, don't worry about it. The the murderer's already fled. I don't care. What if he's still alive, dude? Blah. I Uh, I didn't care uh, for it. It didn't sound right. No, don't go. I'm still alive. (laughs) Don't leave me here. It's my island. Not having framework world events being directly jacked into Madame Hydra's. Okay, this addresses a piece of what you're talking about because as I'm watching these things happen and then I go back and remember events from previous episodes that we really, really liked, Mm -hmm. but happened. There's two things that come up here. One, if I am Madame Hydra slash Ada Incarnate slash whatever the hell we're going to call her, Ophelia, blah, blah, pick your your name or whatever. She is the master matrix computer system, period, paragraph. She has, she has made this. She is jacked into it. She's still conscious. She can have conversations with the lackey number 17 that comes over and chats her up inside the bed to tell her where Fitz goes. There's nothing retarding her consciousness. She is awake and alert and making calls, right? Mm-hmm. Right, okay. right, right. So here's what, there's two things I don't understand. One, why doesn't she know everything that's going on inside the framework that even includes our people 
that are still jacked inside the framework making decisions that she might not know instantly, but you think she'd know quicker. That's the first thing. That's the first one. The second thing is this, and and this is the overriding factor that I have to blow by instantly, otherwise it's going to ruin my watching of the show. And that's why this will be the only time that I mention it until we get to the to the end of the episode. If Ada slash Control Matrix Madam slash Madam Hydra, whatever we're going to call her, if she detects something that's anomalous inside of this world that she's conjured from nothing, why can she not just go and shit's fixed so that it's whatever she wants because it's her world anyway. She's the one that conjured this whole place. And that that's where I do get on board with you across the, I don't know, 40 or 50 different points that you poo-pooed as we entered into this episode. Two <laughs> dose points. <laughs> but yeah, 250. Yeah, it sounds so similar. Same thing. Okay, so what, you want me to answer them in order? You want me to go to your first thing and then to your second thing? You want me to do the second oh, well, and first? I, I see. I think we actually agree. Is there anything of those two things that I said that you do not agree with? You're not going to poo-poo yeah. on my poo-pooing, are you? I'm... <laughs> I think I might wash your poo-poo off just a little bit. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Uh, I got to hear this. What was the first one again? Okay, the first point is that Ada should be innately ah, why, aware why of everything. Why is she aware of everything? Okay, okay, okay. This is how I'm piecing it together. And again, we've only spent four episodes right. no, I get in it. the framework. I was sure. kind of hoping for more. But it seems to me when Ada is jacked into the framework, mm-hmm. she is limited to her avatar and... That's it. Because she couldn't get out of bed. You would think, well, if she's all powerful, she could just get right back up. She's fine mentally, but her avatar is broken. Damaged, whatever. Damaged, yes. Okay. All right. I I think I can get on board with that. So unless she was in front of a computer or was looking up something, which she wasn't. She didn't have any kind of computer stuff around her. It was all medical equipment. She may not be able to keep tabs on everything going on at once. It also makes sense why she was so flustered when things weren't going the way that she wanted them to. Fitz is off doing his own thing. Well, no, he should be here with me, waiting for me to transfer my consciousness into a new body so we can be happily ever after together. Mm -hmm. So there's one. That's what I think. That's why I don't believe she knows everything that goes on. Okay. It's because she's limited to her avatar. All right. Just like everybody else. Yep. To touch your second point about... Why doesn't she just go and fix everything or change anything that she wants? Just like everything else, magic also has rules. And you have to think, the framework is constructed from Darkhold technology. If it wasn't for the Darkhold, the framework wouldn't exist the way that it exists now. You following me? Yeah. I, I just Okay, so if she was going to just hit a button and fix everything... Think of think of it like I don't know if you've ever played any online games like World of Warcraft or things like that. When there's a glitch in the system, what happens? You have to turn turn the servers off, fix the glitch, and then turn the game back on to your your adoring public so that they can play again, right? Right. That's what I think would have to happen for her to have complete and total control. If she wanted to fix something, she'd have to press that pause button we talked about in the previous episode of Mm -hmm. this podcast. Mm -hmm. Press that pause button. But you press that pause button, you run the risk of letting everybody who's real know that they're in a simulation. That's my explanation for your number two. You know, take from it what you will. Okay. 
Well, and we'll get more into it towards the end. Maybe. We'll see. Maybe we should call the audience. Oh, that's actually a good idea. Tell us what you think. Why don't you respond to all of Nick's poo-pooing continuation stuff? So tell oh, us you something. You make me sound like I, I have care. diarrhea over here. <laughs> Let us know what you think. Go to our website over at agentsofshield.poo-poo and fill out the quick web form on the right-hand side. Let us it's know on two-ply, folks. It's on two-ply. <laughs> Let us know what you think. Agentsofshield.tv. <laughs> Modifying the back door. <laughs> The concept of the back door here is just appropriately placed since you and I are talking about so much <laughs> of you poo-pooing. Wow. Anyway, modifying the back door inside this episode. The reason I put this here is I, I love this concept where, mm-hmm. there, the, you know, you, you see a door that we've seen in movies and television shows and book iterations of all kinds over the years. Right. Where literally you go to a door and open or what, say open sesame or whatever. Right. And right. the door opens and now you're in another realm, whether it's real, virtual, blah, whatever. It's a door. So where the door should be is now, let's see, what could we possibly put there? How about, um, how about a hard-to-get-into factory that creates magma? <laughs> Molten magma. I love this. I, I love this. And it is something that you would think someone like Ada slash Madam Hydra slash whatever we're going to call her mm-hmm. would do. And it, it, it's, the, it's like the stumping block for everybody's brain. You know, what, what is it you would never attempt to just go jump into? Like Ripley from Alien 3. And the answer is, I don't know, boiling magma. Right. Okay, well, here it is. You're not going to just go, wee, and jump into it because that's the way out. Mm-hmm. And so I love this. I also love, I didn't put it inside the notes, but I want to make sure we mention it, that the fix is you have to have Quake's powers interacting with it to then open the vortex to take you back through. And, and I love that. That reminds me very much of a billion different times that I played Dungeons & Dragons, mm-hmm. whether I was the dungeon master or I was one of the players that was playing inside the game. Very much where there was this tandem thing that had to happen where superpowers unite of some kind inside of the, inside of the player core that would then activate something else that would open or allow them to move on to a next step. I love this. I love this. It's, it's super succinct. It requires that Daisy be attentive and able to act as well as other people going, yeah, I got to do this. I'm going, and here I go. I love that. That sense of teamwork that's initiated here I think is tremendous. The fact that Ada was able to change what it looked like shows how much control she does have over it. Mm -hmm. But the framework of the framework, you can't take away the back door. It is an essential part of what makes up the framework. And this goes to show you how great the writing is on this show. Think of why Madame Hydra, Ada, Ophelia put that there. You can't move molten metal. All of these variables that she could not foresee had to happen. Daisy and Gemma had to enter the framework with their memories. They had to meet up with other people in the resistance. They had to be able to turn people to their side. May, Agent Melinda May, had to go rogue, betray Hydra, and turn Daisy into an inhuman. Just think all these little pieces that had to fall into place for them to be able to escape this way. Variables that Ada wouldn't be... I would be infuriated if I was the big bad villain and all of this just seems to fall into place to where they get out. It's impo- It would be inconceivable. You, you, one would think inconceivable. But no, because of the ingenuity of our characters, 
yes, of course these things are going to fall into place. A goodbye to trip. One that replaces the one that couldn't come. This is great. And it's not sappy, and it's not melodramatic, and it it's reasonably quick between Quake and Trip here. Mm-hmm. And I love the tone that they sent with this. I thought it was really, really well done. Oh, absolutely. Uh, again, where, where Trip is concerned, he, he has been a refreshing reminder of days gone by mm-hmm. where the show is concerned. Mm-hmm. And even though he is still... Uh, <laughs> happy and healthy living in the framework as a bit of code still glad to know that he's out there somewhere yeah it, it's tremendous and uh, I really enjoyed what they were painting here not only with the, the the this episode is shot differently too everybody was shot from way down low inside of this episode mm. if, you, if you get a chance go back and look at the different camera angles that you get the scene that we're going to have here between Fitz and Simmons at the end of this episode is one that I would tell you to really go back and look mm, at yeah. because neither of them are tall <laughs> they're both very no, short well, sketchy yeah. folks and so to get underneath them I can only imagine what the camera crew looked like when they were running through that but it, it's definitely something to look at and definitely shot differently than what we've seen in previous episodes and I have to think that that was done intentionally to give you another giant push that this is not the real world right the body and a machine starts this was great reminding me very much of probably the only piece of redeeming value inside of that terrible spider-man 3 film with the venom and the blah which is the generation of Sandman sequence. Ah, uh, well, yeah, yeah, that was that was cool. That was so few choice. It, it, it's one of my favorite. It's you know what? It's probably my favorite supervillain generation scenes. Be- one mostly because nothing is said. There is zero zero. No- there's nothing in there. There's this music that you can't go and get anywhere. That's all that was depicted there. Yeah. And then some incredibly good special effects that go from literally a grain of sand to piles of sand that can't quite connect to a giant mountain of sand that can't stand being sand. It was tremendous inside of that film. It'd be so great if we could actually have that in a really good movie. <laughs> that included Spider-Man. <laughs> that included Spider-Man, yeah. 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 Anyway, I wanted to make sure that we mentioned the generation point of what we're seeing here, which is humanita. It's humanophilia, human, Madam Hydra, whatever we're going to Human whatever you want to call her, but she's, this is the world's greatest 3D printer right here. It is. And that is exactly what I was thinking when I, when I saw how they were going to work the, the graphics that were depicted here, when you can see it being put together, not quite layer by layer, but pretty damn close. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's absolutely what it looked like. Well, it and also reminded me of the scene in The Fifth Element mm, when uh, yeah, yeah, they were yeah. putting, they were giving Mila Jovovich's alien character a human body from just the the hand that was left over mm-hmm. from the, the sample that they had. Yeah. Very similar to this scene as well. It was a, a patchwork of putting bone and yeah. skin and, and, and muscle and... Uh, excellent effects. I mean, two episodes ago, we're, we're we're throwing spears at lackluster effects, and now here we go. We're, we know why there was lackluster effects two episodes ago. They were saving all the money for this, this one. This one, yeah. And, it, I mean, it shows. It shows. Oh, it shows yeah, wonderful. it shows. It's uh, It also, this is this is scary. 
Yeah. This it, is absolutely terrifying what the dark hold can can do when mixed with technology because yeah. Yeah. just imagine yeah. who else any it, technically speaking anybody good or bad or in between could have themselves a brand new body in this brand new world. Well, and that that's that goes along with the same options that I was considering when they talked about those options that you shat all over at the beginning of the episode is that th- this machine and, and this where we're going inside of this piece of the episode is what those options were reeling in my mind from. Mm-hmm. The 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 where this machine and technology just as you said it's it, it's not this weird book that somebody reads and you get something cool out of someone else reads and they just go crazy it's gone so far beyond that at this point mm-hmm. that we don't even have a we don't have a frame of reference to understand where this has gone right and i love that because the things that we don't know inside of a television program like this one those are the ones that you really have to be horrified by because mm-hmm. you don't know what could happen that actually leads us to the soundtrack of malevolence. Okay, I want you all to again turn this podcast off slash push pause and go back to the episode and listen to the music being played as the scene that we just talked about is going on. I made it a separate point because it is that good. It is so perfectly crafted. It is the perfect music you would expect this not quite evil robot woman that is gorgeous being created out of nothing to have a real body, this is the music that would accompany it. Mm. it it's, it's incredibly well-crafted, and again, it is the soundtrack of malevolence. <laughs> Grabbing Bible notation to shut Mac down. <laughs> this is great. I, 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 I am not a believer, by the way, and I don't have any problem with people that are. Don't uh, tell me you just used the Bible against me. I, that's right. I, this is a wonderful scene because... It is using a piece of that grain of truth slash what you recognize as truth to now shut up and do what I say. I love it. I I absolutely love that. And it's used wonderfully. Again, it's that lilting, humorous tone that's inside of so many things marvel. And you would think, you know, think to yourself, if we were to bring up humor and the Bible inside of any other television program, would it ever fit right where somebody wouldn't get offended? Uh, you know what? I'm sure somebody got offended by this, too. I, I'm certain, too. But the, the the fact of the matter is that this was a great glide. This goes back to that previous point I was talking about, mm-hmm. the glide of humor. This is another, and you know what, this might even be a more perfect sample. Because what they're talking about in the previous scene is reasonably nothing. The concept of the Bible and what happens inside the Bible, in particular with Moses, is one of the bedrock foundations of the Bible itself. And so to use that as the, the cataclysmic propel forward movement, inside of something where it definitively is game over moment inside of the storyline. I thought that that was tremendous. I thought that was really, really well done. I liked it for other reasons. I like it because, uh, very interesting enough, Mac didn't seem to be the the very faith-based character Mm -hmm. when he was introduced, but then spending time with Yo-Yo... Uh, has opened his faith up a little bit more, as we've seen in the past. So it makes perfect sense that this Mac in the framework, this version of him, would have more of a faith base because you would believe that in the real world, the reason, the day he lost his faith was the day that the universe took his child away from him. Mm-hmm. Totally mm-hmm. get that. Totally yeah. understand that. Yeah. So 
to have a, a faith-based Mac right off the bat here in the framework makes sense again. And for him to use a Bible reference makes sense. It also makes sense that this would, and I don't want to say it's a joke. It is, it's, it's used for alleviating the tension of the scene because mm-hmm. everybody else except for May and Mac are on board for this. They know that they've got to do that. We got to jump into the lava somehow. This eases the tension of of Mac being the most apprehensive character in that group right now. Explaining away the instant appearance of Hydra. Brilliant. Far too many times inside of far too many television programs, especially television programs, the bad guys are just there. They they weren't there while you were acting eloquently and everything was going okay. And then they just appear out of nowhere for no particular reason because, hey, we've got four and a half minutes ready. It's time to go. And it happens a lot inside of television. I mean, like crazy amounts of time. And so to just explain it away here so that it's just done and out the window and you you don't have to pay any attention because it's one of two things. It's either it was a trap or we have found the right place to be. Done. Right. It is brilliant. It is this line of thinking and this painting inside of the storyline is what so many other television programs should use because, guys, I get it. 43 minutes is no time at all. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it disappears so quick you can't, you can't even blink a couple of times. And the time's not gone inside of an episode. I get it. But you have to make sure that the loops that you open also then have a closing point. And if you just – you don't even show the opening and then suddenly there's people in your face – and you have no explanation at all, that's when things fall apart. It doesn't make sense. And if they bothered to take something like that and explain it away quick, brilliant move. Uh, Especially when, yes, it does hammer home that you are in the right place. But for me, it made me feel more like, well, we've also been betrayed. Mm -hmm. Radcliffe has blown the whistle on us. That's how they know that we're here. Sure, it's also the right place to be, but... Radcliffe squealed. Yet another reason why during the watching of the episode, I'm just shaking my head like, oh, John Hannah, why? 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 Why must you break my heart? Not knowing what was about to happen. Happen. Right, right, right. Quaking the back door and graphics that matter. Okay, so two things here. Again, we, in fact, we actually talked to Ignazium about the whole super friend's power activate Right. These things then activate this so that the storyline can move forward. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love it yeah. in just about any iteration, especially when it's really well done, like inside this television program. Uh, the second part, though, is the graphics that matter. This is exactly what it needed to look like, where it's pool of magma, you shall not pass. <laughs> right. And then it's not because Daisy's quaking it. And this, I, I need to go back and look at it and like try and really think and tell you guys what I was thinking when I first saw that graphic. Because I had to go back and rewind it because I wasn't quite sure what I was looking at. And I went back and looked at it, and it, it they just they made something really, really interesting to look at mm-hmm. when Daisy is quaking it. And I, having listened back now, I think what it is is it's the quaking of whatever the platform around the magma is and then the mixing of whatever the inside of the fountain looks like with the quake power hitting water mm. and whatever that would generate, that's what this is looking like. And it matters because it used to be a fountain before right. it was a giant pool of magma. 
See, I love that. I, I love that because if you had not said that, oh yeah, remember it was a fountain. I don't. I didn't remember that it was a fountain. It did have. It did have a wet look to it, and upon seeing it, and especially once watching people go through it, my mind instantly went to Stargate. Mm. It it looked mm. like the Stargate being activated, mm. I, I which still that. works. I mean, Stargate takes you to another part of the universe, so yeah, that totally makes sense. Sure, sure. Devastating wounds for Coulson, and our storyline crumbles. I almost in lost a good my, way. I almost lost my shit here. <laughs> I yelled at the TV. I was like, "No!" Yeah. And what I again, total hats off to the production design crew inside this episode because you totally made it look like you killed Phil Coulson. Again. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, had they not inserted a little ADR of him going. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm absolutely not kidding. I thought he was dead. I thought he was scaffold. dead. I'm like, well, I'm not watching this show anymore. <laughs> you just killed the one yeah. character that I... Well, no, not the one character. But, but, the but one still. The one that drives it. The one that drives right. it. Even, even him with the glasses and the, the stupid blue soap and the and the, the 10th grade teacher. It's him. still Phil it's Coulson. It's still Phil Coulson yeah. and it's still super compelling. I totally agree. And I love this piece. It, But the whole devastating wounds. And I'm not kidding. Like, they had... It was not blood spray, but there was something but that was coming a out lot of it. And it was of seepage. Yeah. There was seepage yeah, it was, going on. And it was it was spectacular. For those of you that say this show does not have game on when it comes to effects, you are out of your tree. I mean, just like really, you are not watching enough of the program to go that Agents of Shield does not understand how to use special effects. If you've ever seen that, and I have read that in many uh, boards online, really, you guys, you guys just don't get it. There's not only is there money being spent here, but there's practical effects at work. Yeah. That are just so above the board of so many other things on television that it is it is a wonder to me. But anyway, this was great. It was fantastic. And again, it got at least both Nick and I off our chairs. And that's where we're asking you guys, did the devastating wounds via Colson inside this on the scaffold above? Did it drive you as crazy as it did us? Let us know by going over to our Facebook presence. It's over at Facebook.com forward slash shield podcast chime in on one of the threads that's there or create your own and tell us how devastating the devastating wounds to phil colson were for you inside this episode of agents of shield leading from the front be bold be brief be gone the whole instance of phil colson leaning back and falling in as the first guy through is so magical here, mostly because yet another episode of Jocko Podcast over at jockopodcast.com that I heard this morning is yet another incredibly evocative, moving, emotional experience about a father coming on to talk about his incredibly brave son who was killed in one of the many huge events that happened inside of Iraq. Mm -hmm. And inside that episode, they get to talking about a, a young lady named Megan McCrane. And Inside of that, they uh, they talked about her. They talked about her efforts. They talked about what they remembered about her. And then they the the father of the guy that got dead in Iraq said, "She's an area sixty at Arlington, and on her on her headstone it reads, "Be bold, be brief, be gone." That is exactly what we're talking about here. The other thing they talked about inside of this that that guy is referring specifically to his son, it is the whole concept of leading from the front. Leading from the front equals, if not me, then who? And that's what's on his headstone. 
And that's what we get from this show. Obviously, I'm not comparing what Phil Coulson does to what the the men in uniform inside the American military do overseas. Right. But that whole leading from the front and giving you a sample to follow, that really is incredibly bold in life. And those of you that are not doing it at least once in your life, you're missing out. Solid transformation graphics from what was to what is. I don't even know we need to go into it anymore. You and I both know that the graphics inside this episode are just stupid awesome. Right, right. And this whole thing where you, you can, they got Mac at about maybe three quarters right, and they're panning it around, and what you see is the little yellow and white zips of what was turning into what is. It, it was spectacularly done. This it, is your glitch. This is your white cat running across the screen in the mm -hmm. Matrix. Yeah. This is what yeah. needed to happen to jog some of the other characters out of the fact that, yeah, this is all fake. This is not fake, but this isn't the real world. I thought it was incredibly well done. And what I also love is that, the, the you know, the expression that we would have seen on Mac there could have been really, really, really stupid. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't. No. And again, so the, for the people that think this is just that stupid comic book program that appears on Tuesday nights on ABC, you don't get it. You, you don't no. understand the level of what's being crafted here. And the, it's the tiny little nuances that are added to a scene that inside of a script probably reads, Mac stares in amazement as his real world becomes unreal. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's, that's how a script like this would read. And that can be stupid. We, you and I have seen many a movie where you can look at the actors and obviously they're getting direction, maybe, from the director inside <laughs> of the scene. Right. Okay, so now you kind of see um, this giant yellow dragon that's walking to and fro. You can't believe how big his feet are. And he opens his maw and blows fire. Good, more teeth. Uh-huh, good. That, that, that's traditionally how that sounds inside of, inside of a production like that. That's how we get here. No. You get something wonderfully done here that really does help to paint the picture, again, of that solid transformation graphics from what is to what actually is. <laughs> Solidifying a May slash Coulson coupling. All right, so after everything is now real, <laughs> we get into a scene where the two of them are I will call it very lovey-dovey as they pull each other off of May's tray, electronic thing, blah, uh -huh. whatever. And I did not think I would like that as much as I did. How about that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what? You want me to say something bad about this? I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> no. Here's the thing about it. I was, I, I'm, I'm glad that it was as subtle as it was. Yes. It, it yes. was subtle. It was, it was Not right on Not to mention the fact, you also have to remember, May has been the one person who's been jacked into the framework the longest. Mm -hmm. So the simple fact that they actually had the foresight to say, oh, she's not going to be able to get down by herself. She's going to need help. She's not going to be on her feet for a long time. And they kept her on the floor for the rest of the scene, for the rest of the episode. Mm -hmm. Brilliant kudos to that. But yes, the, the fact that they do have this flirtatious back and forth with each other when they wake up, it's because now you were in a world where you didn't know who you were and you didn't realize you had this connection, at least definitely on May's side, mm -hmm. to where it was all Coulson who was the one who talked her into jumping. 
you followed me. Yeah. Oh, it's sweet without being sickeningly sweet. Yes. It, it, and it it's what we needed at this yeah. moment right yeah. there. It absolutely rides that rail of I'm not entirely sure. Yep, that's okay. That's mm. where I, that's where I got inside this scene. The lack of baddies shooting slash making people dead. Something you'll note here inside the last probably eight or so minutes of the last scene is that there's nobody else shooting. And is it because they killed all the bad guys? Is that the I would think concept so. Here? Okay. I mean, you only had they only brought one Zephyr full of yeah. troops. Right, I know, but this kind of goes back to that whole thing of remember playing video games when you were a kid, or maybe recently where you're fighting against this army that just generates from practically nowhere and so you mow down a you mow down this one thing and then you start working on whatever the object whatever the objective is mm -hmm. and then there's suddenly another mass force ready to take you on right well actually that happens inside the matrix quite a bit the, the uh, right because the matrix is a self-aware construct right, whereas right. the framework is not we've established the fact that ada does not is not god of the framework so we're not going to just keep on generating bad guys. Right. Fitz brought one Zephyr full of soldiers. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, we've they, they've taken care of Run all of them. them all, yeah. No one gets tossed into the magma. I was looking for it. I was looking for it. And if we'd have had somebody that was the loser good character, that would have been the thing to have. Where Daisy's going, okay. Are you ready? And every, you know, you swirl the camera, pan around, everybody goes, yeah. And she goes, and starts doing the quaking on it. And then like a, you know, a ricochet hits one of her hands or a gauntlet or something. And it stops just as Joe, the guy that everybody likes, but we know has to die, jumps. And <laughs> instead of jumping through the hole, it's just boom, like the uh, T-1000 inside of Terminator 2. Right. And we didn't get that, or maybe just a bad guy. One, one of the, that's what that's actually why I wanted more bad guys to generate. Because I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Somebody's not going to get like the they they chop sake, unarm them, and then they grab the back of their vest and just chuck them into the magma. That would have been awesome. <laughs> I don't know what it would have cost. You know what? But it totally would have been worth whatever. The, I'm whatever actually the cost going to have been. to disagree with you. That would have made it way too over the top action movie esque for me. You don't need to randomly just throw some dude into lava just because it looks cool. That's not what the Wilkerson. That's not what this show is. <laughs> but then, and how dare but you then suggest it, but then provides, that we should start tossing red shirts <laughs> into magma? The cinematography of the Simmons Fitzness is brilliant. I've already talked about it once, but I had to talk about it again inside of the time context when it happened inside the episode. Right. This is the scene that you need to go back and look at because neither of them are incredibly tall people. These two actors are shot from way down low, mm -hmm. and it looks phenomenal. One of them is on their knees on the ground. The other one is standing over with a handgun, and it is a wonderful sight to see. It, again, speaks to so many things that should be happening inside of the Emmy Awards, that I'm reasonably certain we're going to see nothing for. Oh, of course not. This scene, especially for all you Fitzsimmons fans out there, <laughs> this is a this is a rough scene to watch because mm -hmm. it's it's the possible end of love right here. Oh, the coldness of Fitz. Brutal. He's it, brutally it, cold in this scene. Oh, I, I'm actually kind of disappointed that we only got four episodes in the framework because 
Dr. Leopold Fitz of Hydra is a great bad guy. Mm-hmm. He's a great villain. One of the one of and again, only four episodes. Better villain than Madame Hydra herself. Yes, I agree. Totally. And we've only had four episodes with him and oh my god, I wish we could have spent more time. I'm I mean, I'm glad that we can kind of sort of get back to normal here by the end of the episode, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. this is a scene where you can even see on Gemma's face, it's like, just please, just wake up. Just wake up. Everything will be okay if you wake up. You, you love me, I love you. This isn't real. Just wake up. Out yeah. of all of the emotional moments in this episode, that's the one that got me the most. We see no one that is an avatar fall through. So whether we're referring to your love, beloved Radcliffe, mm-hmm. we thought was just going to give up the ghost because he's asshole bad guy, or anybody else that could be on the listing of, hey, I'm actually just an avatar, Ward, or somebody else that... Don't um, get me started on Ward. <laughs> we, we didn't have that. We, we didn't have that, and I, I, I literally... It's, it's kind of like what you just said. If we'd have had that, I don't actually know what would have been a good way to go through with it. It would have been probably too much for the end of the episode to take. It would have been the end of whatever, who, or I should say, whoever that character was in the framework. Ratcliffe is the only living consciousness, well, living in quotation marks, consciousness in the framework. Everybody else is just a facsimile of who they are in this world. I don't disagree with you, but you have to remember that in the time that it has been working slash sleeping slash her body's asleep on the slab being jacked in, the machine's been created that created her a body. And how that integrates into the system that is based on dark chocolate. Well, we don't have any, we have no concept of any of that. So if somebody were to fall through backwards, there's nothing definitive to say, oh, and they'd be destroyed. We don't know that. True, but they wouldn't get a body or anything. You'd have to be jacked into a machine. She was in a machine. All those people are jacked into a machine. No, Ada, Madam Hydra, on her bed in her penthouse, was being scanned. Mm -hmm. That machine, you have to, in the framework, you have to be in a machine to be in a machine in the real world. Right. Again, just to play devil's advocate, though, the machine that scans her is essentially a half circle. Right. Going back and forth, up and down, right? Yeah. Kind of like the circle a that someone... A cat scan kind of a thingy. Kind of like the circle that someone would have to, quote, fall through as they're jumping through the hoop of death slash magma slash water. So, I, again, you, you and I are trying to take things that we don't have any concept of, i.e., how fast can this machine evolve? It's just created the first one. So now what happens with it? We, we, really, we literally don't know. And it's just something I wanted to make sure I put it. I tucked in the end here, which is kind of where we're at. I'm just a guy who likes rules. There's got to be some it, rules and structure. It, it also makes it where there is a way for someone like Dr. Radcliffe to eventually have a body inside this life. Does that mean that he has to be scanned or they, they can never find a way that people can't just be scanned quicker or run through what looks like a metal detector and that does it? You know, that, that's what I'm talking about, is that eventually technology will find a way, just like the Jurassic Park movies. True, true. I, I agree. Eventually, it, it can find a way if it's allowed to exist. These are not the Mac Man Cry evocation scenes you're looking for. This was not what I was thinking was coming in regard to Man Cry episode generation moments for what was going to go happen with Mac and Hope mm-hmm. and choosing whether or not to go. And 
I'm incredibly conflicted by it, so much so that I had to watch it a second time here at the studio when I got here. And it's not because I was angry that I didn't get what I wanted. Mm -hmm. I just know that I got something definitively different than what I was looking for. Again, I was looking for that tasty magic of a very, very sad nod and a raising of the glass as you take this little tiny baby sip and everybody balls like a baby. Right. Well, we didn't get that. We didn't get that at all inside this episode, which makes me think that this will not be the last time that we're inside the Not Matrix. I agree with you there. There's still two episodes left of this season. I don't think we're done with the framework. Uh, I, I think the framework is too dangerous to exist, though. I predict there might be a definitive end to the framework by the end of this season. But again, still two episodes left. I think it'll look like an end, but it'll be exactly what happened with Dr. Moriarty inside of Star Trek The Next Generation, in which somebody's going to have a small device that's running. Possibly, maybe. Again, and again, that's the that's the wonder of not knowing where this show is going to go. We have right. two episodes left, and we still can't pinpoint where this is going to go. Too true. Let me pose a question to you, though. Out of all the people that have been introduced in the framework... Mm-hmm. You could pick one of those people to come into the real world. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking Mac because he has a body. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about somebody that has no body. Okay. Gets to use the magic machine. Mm -hmm. One character. Mm -hmm. Who would you choose? Daddy Fitz. So you would want Daddy Fitz to come to the real world to where there'd be two Daddy Fitzes in the real world? You don't know that Daddy Fitz is alive in the real world. Yes, we do. Oh, we do. Because Radcliffe said, I know your father. Before they entered the framework. You'd okay. have to go back and watch episodes before the whole Agents okay, of Hydra I thought, stuff. I was under the impression he was dead. No, so, no, he's not dead. Okay, well, I mean, that might even be he better. Was, now he abandoned him. Now there's an evil twin. Okay, so you would pick... I, I want to see more evil Alistair that, that absolutely is destructive impact moment every time he could potentially touch or talk to Fitz. Right. I, I, that, that they had to murder him inside this episode, I don't call it a, a terrible, crappy moment. But it's pretty close. Mm. I think that that's an incredibly rich character that deserves way more than off-screen, echoey gunshot death. He's worth way more than that. And I'm not I'm not looking for him to be writhing in pain with blood squirting everywhere when, like Malone inside of the Untouchables or anything. I'm not looking right. for that. But I am looking for something more definitive than, oh, look at Daddy Fitz taking a nap. <laughs> I see. I, I, that was right. not the way I wanted to see that character. And in fact, I did not want to see that character end. I, again, when we if you go back to the what we talked about inside just this episode, I was looking for something way more impactful from the meeting of you've got to be kidding me Simmons versus the guy that is the generation point for everything that's gone wrong with Fitz. Mm-hmm. That's not what I was looking for. Well, something to think about, something to hope for if there's a season five is now that Fitz knows his father a little bit from the framework because remember they have all their memories from the framework maybe in season five he'll seek out his real papa fits and that's where we're gonna find the man with the with the white wife peter yeah getting the strap now for me it's hard (laughs) it, it, it it's hard for me to choose a character that i would want to join us in the real world because there are three great characters that would fit right into a to, to the narrative and i'm kind of greedy i want them all but if I can only pick one, I'm sorry. I'm picking Ward. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, I, Mac. If, if you'd I mean, we know enough, hope Hope is great and yeah, all, but if, I want Ward. If, if you give me enough grief about Papa Fitz, 
then I was going to go Ward. Because, my God, it's Ward. <laughs> it's Ward. The, I, I think the problem there is that I know that he's done one movie, and I, I imagine that he's either coasting on some nice green or he just doesn't need to work again for now. Mm-hmm. But having him back, absolutely. You know, I've talked about how rich and bold and, and wonderful <laughs> they have made a character that's supposed to have died twice so it's just wonderful oh there's also something else i wanted to mention too is we uh, tristan we're to talk about feedback that we got there's a piece of feedback that i got at work see last week last week right after the show uh, or after the show aired and what they said inside the show really struck me and i can't believe we didn't come up with it last week inside the episode before this and so episode 19 there's a moment when Coulson actually puts his hand on Ward's chest just as a just as to stop him moment. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's hilarious because for those that have already quickly forgotten, that's how he murders. That's how he ended the life of the evil <laughs> Grant Ward on Marveth. <laughs> the Marveleth planet. The Marveleth chest crusting. Yeah. 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 So and anyway, that that's great. And that's actually what we ask you guys, of the people you could bring back that are just avatars, smart asses, please don't go where we don't need to, which one would you bring back? Let us know by going to our website over at agentsofshield.tv. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page. Fill out that quick web form and tell us what you think. And electronic BAMF. And I think what I love the most is I have no idea what it means. I finished the episode and I have no idea what the hell is going on. Nothing. Zero. Which means I'm instantly, especially if I'm listening like many of you, I'm going to, again, make sure that the podcast is queued for next time. But I'm then going to instantly watch the next episode. There's no question in my mind that this will be the podcast that unfortunately gets the least listens because people are going to skip it to jump into this the 21st (laughs) episode. I love this. It's super simple. It's not... It's no terrible, expensive scene at all. It's a picture of them there. It's them leaving the screen. It's the resumption of camera stuff and a very small lightning bolt graphic put in. Period, paragraph. And it is perfect. It is the ultimate WTF moment. Because I know that's what I was screaming at my TV when it happened. (laughs) Because I don't know what the hell's going on either. The only thing that I can conjure up in my mind using the magic terminology is that now since Ada, Ophelia, whatever you want, whatever she's going to go by now because I'm sure she doesn't want to go by Ada anymore she's real and I would assume a machine can't use magic can construct magical technology but can't use magic like a living being can because it's energy flow blah 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 we saw that in Doctor Strange. You know, you can pull energy from other dimensions and you craft it to be able to create spells and weapons and things like that. So in my mind, I'm thinking, after I've sat there staring at my screen with a blank expression on my face for a while, the only thing I could think of is that now that Ada Ophelia is human, she used teleportation. Magical teleportation spell to get her and Fitz out of there. Interesting. Interesting. I, and that's a that's a great move. That's actually where we ask you guys, what do you think happened at the end of this episode? We don't traditionally ask you guys these questions either because it's not going to make any difference. But yeah. by the time we get your feedback, it'll, we'll already know. But the, the, the gist is this. What happened during this electronic bam? Let us know by going over to our Facebook presence, click on any of the threads to talk about the electronic bam, or start one of your own. 
It's time to push to break during this episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. We will be right back. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. What comes to mind when you hear the word horror? Is it a book you read in the dead of night that creeped you out? Is it the memories of the monsters you were sure lived under your bed? Is it a film filled with blood and gore, all thanks to a crazed killer? Join me, Nicholas J. Hearn, and my guests as we ask the really terrifying question, What scares only on Two Guys Talking Horror. TwoGuysTalkingHorror.com That's TwoGuysTalkingHorror.com Twenty-four Legacy features a new hero, a new day, a completely new cast, but also tons of new 24 fans. It's time to participate with all of them over at 24LegacyFans.com. That's 24LegacyFans.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Everyone, welcome back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete detailed and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC. This time, it's Season 4's Episode 20, Farewell, Cruel World. Every time we come back from break during the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, it's time to crack open our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. Our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers contain an interesting scene, an actor portrayal, or something else that tripped, wink, wink, our collective review night fantastic. Nick, what have you got inside this episode? There are several scenes, acting portrayals, and moments that I could shove into my S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier. Great. Don't steal any of mine or into the magma you go. Well, guess what? I am going to continue with my absolute (laughs) poo-pooing, and my dossier is actually going to be filled with an annoyance. Something that I made mention of 
two episodes into the Agents of Hydra story arc, mm-hmm. and I said that I would save. I was going to give them time to see if they actually mentioned anything. Well, guess what? They didn't. My dossier is filled with the lack of connectivity to the rest of the Marvel Universe. Here in the framework, there is no mention whatsoever of a Tony Stark, a Bruce Banner, a Thunder God, or anything. Steve Rogers. There's no Steve Rogers. Where Where's the mention of all the other characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that have been mentioned countless times in this show? That's that's my biggest complaint. We didn't we didn't get a nice little background of Obadiah Stane lands new contract with Hydra to make all weapons. Where was something like that in a nice little crawl on Squiddy TV? Mm-hmm. Huh? That that would have been excellent and also incredibly cost effective. But I, I, to to quote Doc Brown, <laughs> I think you've actually answered your own question when you say. Where are the people like Tony Stark and Steve Rogers and insert all of the others, including all of the craft and stuff that's cool, because they've been erased from existence. <laughs> because that's what a computer that doesn't want you to have free will and only believe what you see would do, right? And that's me shooting from the hip. I'm, I, there's no deep thought that's gone into that. But yeah, and you know what? I can I could buy that, but I'm not saying that. Well, here's the thing. I guess you could erase the existence of Captain America if you're changing the course of World War II history. Because they even mention it, you know, Hydra's altered history. You know, to where they weren't from Nazis. Well, yeah, they were from Nazis. And Captain America was the number one Nazi ass kicker of World War II in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, okay, I'm fine without talking about Steve Rogers, but it doesn't make any sense why... Stark tech, Stark Industries, something Stark-related. Or, again, Obadiah Stane, our bad guy from the first Iron Man film. I was just wanting some connectivity. You know, if Bruce Banner didn't get all gamma-rayed out and turned into a rage monster, maybe he was part of a team that worked for Hydra. Couldn't there have been a line of dialogue saying that, well, Dr. Pym and Dr. Banner have been working on such and such machine. No, I, I'm with you. Again, I, I, it costs no money whatsoever to mention character names in a line of dialogue, and then you get that nice what if. Because then the what if encompasses the entire universe and not just these six characters that were trapped in the framework. That's fair. And that's that fair. is my gripey poo-poo no, I, I shield don't th- dossier. I, I don't think that's a poo-poo dossier. I, I think that you and I across everything Marvel, not just Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but that whole grafting so that you can see a piece of the spaghetti that starts inside of the Hulk universe mm-hmm. accidentally spills into the Guardians of the Galaxy universe that accidentally spills into the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. universe that accidentally spills into Thor Ragnarok that accidentally spills into the Black Panther movie that accidentally spills into the Spider-Man Homecoming film. You and I are in the exact same boat of wanting all of that. Right. It doesn't need to be something super thick like a Snickers bar every time either. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't need, you know, there's a, a inside of Thor Ragnarok, we see that epic showdown between Thor and the guy that's going to destroy him. You know, the guy he knows from work. Okay, well, they go and they fight and they throw one punch and then they both pause and they both look brazenly at each other, one through the shield, the other one where Hulk kind of snickers and spits out a tooth or something. And then instantly the camera snap pans to the right-hand side and you see Spider-Man going, hey guys, how's it going? (laughs) 
They're, okay, that's what we don't need. No. We don't need anything no, no. that's stupid. What we need is something that becomes connective tissue, just as you said, that will tether all of these things together. Even though this is what if, even though it is not real, having something like that, you're absolutely right, that is connective tissue. And it's something else that I always talk about when I talk about podcasting legacy and podcasting perspective. Because it is, it's truly vital. Mm-hmm. My Shield dossier inside this episode has to contain something that has actually two pages in it. They're very short pages, okay. but it's double-sided. The first side of the page is the cessation of Dr. Fitz. And when I think of that, I'm not entirely sure whether that's going to be in a negative or a positive thing. Hmm. Because while we've, just as you said, we've only seen four short episodes that are devoted these these 43 minutes times four to Dr. Fitz and the not quite super Dr. Evil that he's become. Right. The fact of the matter is that just as you stated, I want more. I want to I wanna know more about what is going to happen now that the front end of this magnificent vehicle that has been created has now essentially run into a tree. Asterisk. Hmm. Okay, so that's the first part. The second part is only getting a glimpse of Fitz after returning to reality. This had the seeds of brilliance in regard to acting for the guy that plays Fitz. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. And this is not a poo-poo. It's just that we ran out of time. There's only 43 minutes, and they get to choose, and she that's it. She bamfed away, too, before we could get any more real juicy stuff from right, him. Right, yeah. right. And so that, that I do lament that. It's not poo-pooing. It's just, again, it right. needed to be stroked some more because it was great. The whole trying to come to grips with the decision I've made and how they've impacted people that I not only have known but love. I love all of that. And we didn't get nearly enough of it inside this episode. I'm hoping that we're going to get more because, again, we got two more episodes get inside this more. whole season. So it's very likely that we're going to get more. But I do lament that, the, that those are so short inside my dossier. And that's where we ask you guys, what's inside your dossier, whether it be single-sided or double-sided like mine, inside this episode? Let us know what you think by going to our Facebook presence. That's facebook.com forward slash shield podcast. And tell us what you thought was inside your shield dossier. So it's time to rate this episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC Season 4, Episode 20, Farewell, cruel world. The scale works thusly. 10 is outstanding, vibrant, bold, bubbling magma. A one is something Nick would poo-poo on. Wow. (laughs) Everything starts at a seven as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick, there are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? I feel like... I'm some sort of leper podcast punching bag because of my personal views. Uppercut. Wow. Uppercut. Glad to see how the pendulum swings here in this studio. <laughs> I, I did a little bit of griping, but guess what? In my mind, there needed to be a little bit of griping. I, I, I'm sorry. Gemma's, Gemma should have been a little bit more calculating. Mm-hmm. It makes more sense getting as many people out as possible so that... Those people can unplug fits from the real world side. Mm-hmm. Makes complete sense to me. I'm I'm yelling this at my television. Two different times I have to yell at the television. Because she goes off and risks her own existence because she could have easily been killed by Papa Fitz. Easily been killed. It could have gone either way. 
And, and you know what? Had she been killed, she she would have deserved it. She left the team to do her own thing because she had to get Fitz back. So there's there's a strike against this awesome show because, to me, it seemed like let's just add just a little bit more peril. And, oh, well, this is going to lead up to dun-dun-dun. Gemma kills Papa Fitz. He's not real. He, he's not real. It's hologram, not like, hologram hater. Yes, I, I discriminate against holograms <laughs> and any any form of light-based technology. Uh, my other other big problem with this episode, could no Grant Ward. Too true. There was no Grant true. Ward true. in this episode. I'm so sorry for budget cutting because we got the first waft of it with the accidental building that didn't exist falling inside of a soundstage. And then the second piece, obviously, is that Grant Ward went out for some Krispy Kremes down the block while everybody else acted inside this episode. Well, I mean, no, he stayed behind to keep the signal running. So we're supposed to believe that he went out in a blaze of glory, keeping that signal going as, as long as he could. That's that's how the previous episode played out for me. Now, me personally, I'd like to think that Grant Ward is alive somewhere. He is. There's he, no he's way they be. killed him. He has got to be. Although, you know what? If they did kill him, it wouldn't make any difference because they've already killed him and brought him back twice. Right. <laughs> so it doesn't make any yeah. difference. It, it, it but, really doesn't make But there difference. was no Grant Ward. Uh, yeah. uh, I re- he was missed in this episode. Right. He was so definitely missed. So What you're telling me is that of the 47 inside of this, that you would traditionally give this episode, you're only going to give it a 43. Basically, where your wacky math is concerned because your system is broke, (laughs) because of those two glaring problems for me, Mm -hmm. just for me, I'm Mm -hmm. sure, Mm -hmm. I have to rate this episode a nine. It's not a perfect episode. You got one character going off character and doing something cuckoo crazy just to kill a hologram. And then you got no Grant Ward. You give me Grant Ward for three episodes, and you go, oh, oh, we got one more episode here in the framework. Not and, for you. And no Grant Ward for you. <laughs> no Grant Ward for you. So, yes, I have to I have to give it a nine. A nine. This is such a strange episode, and it, I think it. this all gets down to expectation. Again, we've we've loved and, you know, just kind of sumptuous uh, gravy all over face, have no fork <laughs> to eat, but we're going to eat more moments inside of this this program. So it's very difficult to take one in where you're not just instantly in awe of everything that you're seeing and blah. And it's especially hard when your co-host just shits all over everything that you say. Oh, my God. (laughs) You know what? When you go back and re-listen to this episode, I want you to remember that I wasn't the bad guy here. I was not the bad guy. Anyway, the the, the gist is this. (laughs) I I always wonder, what is it going to take to have this show fall flat? And after this podcast, I still wonder, because there are enough things inside of here. If you and I sat here and tried to figure out nine things that could take this this episode down, right. we could probably crinkle up six. Probably. So does that mean we're going to give this episode a three? Absolutely no. not. I, I would equate this to, you remember the uh, Choose Your Own Adventure books that you got when you were a kid? Did you get Absolutely, those? yeah. Okay. I, I know that those disappeared later on when I was a kid, but... Uh, choose your own adventure books for those of you that don't know what books are anymore <laughs> is essentially a story where you're reading the story and you then, have to hold it in your hand folks yeah, and with lights and turn the pages and turn the pages right and be able to read 
and you you read the letter describing the link that's been laid onto there. Letters the make words, words make sentences, sentences make paragraphs. <laughs> anyway, you, you read the pages, and at page 11, so you read through 10 pages, and on page 11, it gives you essentially a fork in the road. Mm-hmm. If you're going to traverse the shiny stone path to the left, make sure you turn to page 27. If you're going to head the other way and poo-poo on a podcast episode, then you're going to turn to page 31. Well, I guess I better turn to page 31. <laughs> anyway, the, the gist is that you got to literally, not ironically, choose your own adventure. Right. And then based on the decisions that you would make as you got towards the end of the book or you got to a decision you didn't like, and while you're reading the book, it was amazing because I knew I could always go three steps backwards because back then that's how big my hands were. Mm-hmm. And I could take those fingers and put the fingers <laughs> inside the page breaks to go, okay, well, screw that. I'm not doing that. And then you go back to the, the finger Cheater! beforehand. Yeah, you go back to the finger beforehand and then you go the other way. All right, anyway, so now that I've explained how to defeat that. The gist is this. Those books were wonderful because you did get to choose your own adventure. The difference is that inside of these episodes, you don't have to choose your own adventure because they're that good. Mm -hmm. And so really what we're picking at here are things that inside of the nature of writing for television, we're picking on them. Yeah. These are just kind of scabby scabs that you're going, "Mm, what's this? They're not detracting gigantic holes inside of anything. The, the want to the, even if you think that they are larger, the want for them to just simply disappear and do something else reminds me very much of the Choose Your Own Adventure books. Okay, but we can't do that because this book isn't a Choose Your Own Adventure book. It's where you'd be reading up to page 37 and you go, okay, and you fast forward to page 80 and you go, mm, okay. Well, you don't get to do that inside of this mm-hmm. and you don't get to Choose Your Own Adventure, you get to take in the adventure. So I, with all that read and said, with the detracting remarks that you made across the entire podcast episode. Yes, because I've just hated everything. I'm going to ironically rate this the same as you did at night. Oh, wow. Hater. <laughs> and that's where we ask you guys what you thought of this terrible episode. <laughs> Let us know what you think by going over to our website. It's agentsofshield.poo-poo. It's TV. Click on the right-hand side, fill out the quick web form, and tell us what you think. Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. We're thankful you were able to review this covert communication, reviewing the most recent episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the stories and soon-to-be legends on ABC. Be sure to tune in to our ongoing top-secret communication with agents all over the globe via our Facebook presence immediately. Facebook.com forward slash Shield Podcast to be the first to be made aware of Agents of Shield news, the arrival of our newest reviews, and more. The Agents of Shield Podcast, a super show for fans of superheroes. Uncover the mysteries, critical information, and reviews now by accessing agentsofshield.tv. That's agentsofshield.tv. End. This top secret two guys talking communication.
This is our sound test, not final sound test, but a <coughs> test for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. This is not a test. This is an actual emergency. Call we are 9-1-1. podcasting like a motherfucker up in Ma- here. <laughs> motherfucker. All right, enough housekeeping, Nick. It's oh, time. Good. Oh, good. What? Oh, banter. Sorry. Did I scare you? I'm sorry. I thought you maybe you were shitting on my comments, <laughs> pushing into the television program review. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm so sorry for interrupting your bitching. Okay. <laughs> uh, what I'd like to take it back to who I am. Sure. Uh, uh. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. (laughs) And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn. I'm just going to hit things with my water. We're being invaded by tiny... Tiny tin robots. Tin robots. All right. Uh, The cool glide of humor across a stupid, a quote, stupid... Yeah! Get some! Piece of shit. (laughs) I don't feel so bad for my subtle Facebook ding now. It's okay. That's awesome. Get it, yeah! First time that's happened in... Ever. The cinematography... I put the cinnamon photography. (laughs) (laughs) Yummy. Awesome. Can I have it toasted? Woohoo! All right. The cinematography... Oh, I gotta stop laughing. Hold on. The cinematography in the... Don't look at it. I know. I'm not going to pan, pan it over to the left. Panning to the left. Yes, sir. That's it. I'm done watching the show. Off come my headphones. That's it. We're out of here. Goodbye. Yeah. Get some. <laughs> God bless America. Twice in one podcast. Twice in one podcast. You yep. rock, Nick. You rock. I'm, I'm, I've, well, that's, yep. That's a professional podcaster you are no more. <laughs> Silence your phone. <laughs> Uh, Where the Easter egg reel at the end of this episode is going to be a long (laughs) one. It'll be longer than the episode. (laughs) (laughs) End it, please. We're 